welcome to episode two of Like Father, Like Son, Pittsburgh Steeler Podcast. So we've got a lot to talk about after a long summer of the draft, training camp, and two two preseason games now under our belt. Uh, yeah, uh, we got a lot to talk about today with all that stuff coming in, with how the rookies have been doing, just... Uh, all the competitions that have been going on, quarterback, kicker, punter, returners. I mean, it's been everything. Lots to talk about. Um, before we get into the state of the Steelers, we do want to recognize the uh, the loss of our wide receiver coach, Daryl Drake, who unfortunately passed away at training camp. Um, and obviously the Steelers are going to dedicate this season to him. Um, you know, just a terrible thing to yeah. uh, to happen. When um, we're building the, the season here, getting started. They're putting the patch on the back of the helmet with the double D to, you know, remember him throughout this season. All right. So um, the current state of the Steelers, I mean, so much to talk about. You know, the uh, since they changed the rule a few years back, the cut goes from 90 to 53. One cut by 4 p.m. Saturday, August the 31st. So as always, a lot of the guys that I enjoy, you know, watching in the preseason, and you always kind of have your hopes up that are going to make the team. When it comes down to that fifty-three man roster, you know, there's just not room for so many of them. Yeah, you you really grow to love some of the guys who are at the preseason games, and the since the change, you know, obviously you get to see a lot more of guys that you want to see, you know, because you get to see more games out of them, and it it keeps the competition up higher between you know. The we have a lot of linebacker battles going on right now between who's going to make you know stuff like that the wide receivers it gives them a better chance to really prove what they're worth throughout four games rather than just one definitely um, and also for other teams to get a look at them and possibly land a job somewhere else so we're going to break it down by kind of by position and talk about who's probably going to make the team who's on the bubble and maybe even like a few guys who we wish could but probably won't just because there isn't room. Um, but we'll start with the positions that are pretty much well-known and are locked up. Um, obviously, we're going to carry three quarterbacks, right? Um, Devlin Hodges has had a pretty great preseason. Yeah, he was but, the only um, one to uh, throw a touchdown in the Kansas City game. Yeah, but I think they have too much invested in Dobbs and definitely Rudolph, of course. Mm-hmm. that um, Hodges is probably the guy that goes there, and maybe he gets picked up by another team. I wouldn't be surprised. He could be a third string on another team. I mean, we're definitely lucky to have two young quarterbacks competing to be the future of the Steelers. Um, yeah, so talking about those Dobbs versus Rudolph, because that's a big topic, you know, who's going to be number two and three. Uh, break down their stats over those the last two games, the first game being against Tampa Bay mm-hmm. and the second against Kansas City. Two wins. Uh, well, week one, they both had pretty good games. They both threw the ball eight times, completed it five. And uh, Rudolph actually had six more yards that game and two touchdowns. Uh, Dobbs did not pass for a touchdown in that game, but he did have 44 rushing yards. He had that big run uh, early in the game. Which, That's the dimension know, he gives for sure. Uh, he hasn't been sacked in the preseason yet. So, I mean, I think that that definitely is part of it is that he's, you know, more mobile than... Uh, I mean, a quarterback that the Steelers have had since Cordell Stewart. So it adds a nice, like, little thing to the offense if we wanted to go that way. But so far, Rudolph has definitely, I think, been the more uh, consistent quarterback. And he just looks like a true quarterback whenever he's in the pocket. His pocket presence is amazing. Uh, like I said, he had two touchdowns in that first game on eight passes. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, you know how I feel about him. I, I love how he looks when he stands there and throws the ball, the way he sets and throws, and um, true pocket passer and like that old school kind of look. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he needs to put a little bit more muscle or weight on him. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. Still looks young out there, but um, uh, Dobbs, you know, I know this is kind of like where like father, like son, we've differed. Because yep. you've always been more on the Dobbs wagon. I I always prefer mobile quarterbacks, even though they're a little bit more inconsistent in the passing game. I just like the dimension that it adds because linebackers can never feel comfortable in their zones yeah. because the quarterback can always break out and 
you know, if they allow a 10-yard run all the time, then they're not going to be, you know, playing in their zones 100%. They're going to be watching the quarterback and answering towards him, which can open up, you know, small, like shorter routes, you know, uh, slant routes, drag routes, stuff like that. Can get passes open, but... Dobbs is fast. Woo! When he starts yeah. going. <laughs> that one run is crazy highlight play. Um, so... You know, again, I think Rudolph has got the number two spot. Just the way they've even been playing him in the I, games. Yeah, I, even though I do like Dobbs, I think Rudolph has had the more solid preseason so far, and he looks like he's going to go into the season being the backup. All right. Um, running backs, probably going to carry four, um, possibly five, if maybe a guy stands out on special teams and, you know, a future prospect, but... Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, James Conner, who's looked solid, you know, a yeah. little bit of Having, playing time yeah. he's had. Only played a few snaps. Jalen Samuels, who's been fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just every time he comes in, he's electric. He's only carried the ball six times, but he has almost 50 yards in those six carries and a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, man. that's that's some good stats. <laughs> and then um, we're going to keep Benny Snell, who, who's who been one of the disappointments for me in the preseason, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, he was talked up a lot coming out of the draft. Well, maybe I mean, that was unfair. I don't know. But. Coming Well, coming out of Kentucky, he was actually, uh, I mean, praised a lot. Uh, so I was excited about getting him. In uh, 2019, he actually led the SEC in touchdowns. And uh, so... It that that was a like important thing, you know, coming out of the <laughs> out of college. But so far in the preseason, he's only averaging about two yards a carry, and he's carried the ball twenty times. Yeah, so. I mean, he just hasn't looked like he had any vision. Uh, all I remember is in the uh, Tampa Bay game that nice catch and run, mm-hmm. like a twenty-two yard, I think it was. Yeah, that's about the only play I've seen him. You know. But again, not ready to give up on him no. or anything. Uh, but, you know, just he was hyped up, like you said. So a little bit of a disappointment. And then, of course, fourth running back will be, you know, Roosevelt Knicks at fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that fringe player, you know, I'm thinking if, if another running back is carried, I'm thinking uh, Terrell Edmonds' brother, Trey, who we yeah. got uh, an autograph with a training camp mm-hmm. actually both brothers but we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show uh yeah trey's definitely gotten like the second most or not the second most but the most snaps for uh another potential backup running back for the preseason so i think it'd be safe to say if we did keep another running back it would be trey edmonds okay um next position is pretty much locked up is a uh, tight end obviously because we don't have many but we'll probably carry three Obviously, Vance McDonald's looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, um, hopefully, he's overcome any injury. Yeah, injury proneness he's yes, had in the past. Right. But uh, Xavier Grimble, though, uh, you know, again, he hasn't sh- shown that much. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of film in the regular season, and then he only got targeted three times in the Kansas City game, and he caught one of those for 13 yards, but he also dropped a wide-open pass for about 15 before that so wide open pass i remember yep uh you know we definitely need him to be a lot more consistent because uh if he's not going to be the guy to step up um you know it's going to be hard for our tight end depth to be solid this year but then zach gentry i've been very happy with and he's even had a had a touchdown already Mm -hmm. yeah he had uh three catches for 17 yards and a touchdown he caught every pass that was thrown to him in that game. He was targeted three times, caught it three times. Just a huge dude. Yeah, six foot eight. That's insane for a tight end. And uh, you said he's or he first came into college as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Freshman year, he was a quarterback, but he didn't play at all. So he decided to make the switch over to tight end, and he got drafted pretty high. So it's uh, good for him, you know, switching positions like that. Um, moving down. Uh, you know, they say we'll probably carry nine offensive linemen. Um, what do we want to say about that? The the right tackle battle, uh, Filer, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know who's going to win that. Uh, Filer's 
I mean, he's looked pretty solid in the preseason so far. I know he's gotten a couple penalties. But they've but moved him around a little bit, too. That's true. Um, but uh, offensive linemen, uh, I think we kind of know who they are. That hasn't changed that much. Yeah, we haven't had to start worrying about but our offensive draft, linemen coming in It was in our here. draft pick. Uh, Derwin Gray. So, obviously, he'll probably be the new one in the mix. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be getting starting minutes unless a injury happens. But, yeah, he won't get any starting I mean, time, but he'll be there is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, he'll be on the roster. He'll be on the roster. Um, defensive line, of course, Cam uh, to it. Alulu, McCullers, Hargrave. So, you know, another guy, if, if uh, we keep another defensive lineman again, it's going to be our draft pick. Uh, I... I feel like we will keep Isaiah Bugs. Isaiah Bugs from Alabama. He, I mean, he was our sixth round pick. He hasn't done an insane amount in the preseason, but uh, Isaiah Bugs has five tackles in the two games, and he also recovered a fumble in the first week against Tampa. Yeah, that was the fumble that uh, Matakavich yes. caused. Yes, yes, pretty sure. Um. So then we get into the linebackers and defensive backs, which is a big group. And yeah. so many, uh, you know, just great-looking guys here who have been showing a lot of talent. Um, cornerbacks, obviously, um, our free agent we brought in, Nelson mm-hmm. and Hayden, will be the starters. Um, Sutton. Cam Sutton. Yeah, Cam Sutton. Probably keep him. He's been looking pretty good so far in the preseason. Uh, let's talk about Artie Burns because, uh, you know, this was uh, obviously another guy that's been talked about and talked about. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've loved what I've seen in preseason. Yeah, uh, he didn't play in the first game, but came in against the Chiefs and he forced a fumble. He had a tackle, a pass defense. Uh, I mean, it looks like he's gotten his confidence back, looking more like the rookie year already burns than the one we've seen in you know the past year or two exactly so. i just remember the first drive in a kansas city game how solid he looked as far as looking at in the past when he was a starting corner and how many opening drives they exploited his side like just started passing and passing and worked down the field and would score like and just in, i know again it's preseason but what I saw, you know, was him, uh, that confidence seemed to be back. He was jamming the receiver mm-hmm. at the line. Yeah, he was jamming um, and He, uh, you know, I remember that first drive, like I said, I think he, oh, yeah, he had some nice tackles, and uh, he punched the ball out mm-hmm. for, it was Sean Davis that recovered that the fumble recovered in that That recovered the one. fumble in that, yes. And then he also knocked down another pass, I remember. Mm-hmm. So Artie Burns, I think, has actually locked up a position again. Yeah, uh Definitely coming into this training camp, we thought he was probably going to be off the roster, but... I really I, did, yeah. I he, really did. I, he looks I like he's think. been stepping it up now, so... But, I mean, if, you know, he could be another great veteran corner now if we can count on him. Yeah. Of course, Hilton will make the team. Yeah, he's probably going to be our slot corner throughout the season, whether it's blitzing or... He's just dynamic. Whatever. Yeah. Even in the preseason, he's, he's blitzed. He's, you know, he's been moving around. Um, and also, because we signed him, didn't we? Uh, Wasn't that? Yes. I can't remember. He had some kind of contract thing going on. Um, now, the big disappointment at corner is our draft pick. Justin Lane. Justin Lane. Yeah. Um, I just remember in the first game against Tampa Bay, it was kind of a nightmare. Um, that opening drive, he just... Already wasn't looking good. I remember just watching the first drive in that game. Yeah, the first drive. He gave up two first downs, and then he missed the tackle for the touchdown. Mm -hmm. Later in the game, he was juked on a run play, but it was a 10-yard run that was also a touchdown. Yep. Um, He had a hands-to-the-face penalty in the second half. And just every time he looked at him, he was always behind the receiver. He was playing way off. The tackling issues, even though he had he some, had uh, eight tackles in that game, but eight it tackles. Still it just seemed like, like maybe you know, he's yeah. undersized. I don't know. He's 192 pounds. That's what they have him listed at, but um, which isn't tiny. But I don't no, know. He's six two, so I mean, he's not super small, but he just he was missing tackles that he shouldn't have. I think that's also 
just he needs to learn the step up in size in the NFL and just, you know, make sure he's executing tackles and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, he'll make the team because he's yeah. a draft pick. Yeah. Uh, so probably the guy on the outside is um, Brian Allen. Yeah. Uh, I just – we haven't really seen much of him so far in the preseason. Uh, he just hasn't been – making plays showing up on the stat sheet at all so it just seems like he's probably on his way out with all these other defensive backs making plays in this uh preseason safeties of course sean davis terrell edmonds danger field is probably going to make the team and then it kind of comes down between you know marcus allen and cameron kelly mm-hmm. or, the, or who i think it comes down to and uh, uh, Allen's made, I guess he's had more playing time. Marcus Allen had uh, either four or five in the first game and four or five in the second game. So I'm pretty sure he has around nine tackles in the preseason so far. Nothing else. But Cameron Kelly, just he only has three tackles in the preseason so far. Yeah. I, I, hope, uh, I don't know. I hope he gets to do more. I was really excited about Cameron Kelly. He's the guy say, that we brought over from the AAF. Uh, and, in the... The first game against Tampa Bay, I definitely saw him close to the ball in a lot of plays. It looked like he was always trying to make the play. It just, you know, wasn't working out a little bit. He's just a ball hawk. Yeah. He was, you know, he had, I can't remember how many picks he had in that short season with the other league. But, um, you know, he's just a ball hawk, and he makes plays on the ball, and that's what we need. But probably not going to be room for him. Nope. And then finally, linebackers, we've got a lot to choose from. But obviously our free agent, Mark Barron, who yeah. what I've seen is exactly what we brought him in for. Yeah, he had, I remember he had a great him, first uh, preseason game with us. I remember, Yeah, I remember him covering a running back on third down. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly what we need. He had you know, a tackle like it, for a loss, three tackles total. And, okay, so then Bud Dupree has looked fantastic in the yeah. preseason. Maybe this is finally his wake-up call. Obviously, once again, like we're saying, this is still preseason, so all these players who are going to be starters or starting caliber on our team, you know, don't want to get too excited about him, but Bud Dupree really was looking amazing right out the bat. He had three tackles, two sacks, a pass defense, and three QB hits in the first half of that Kansas City game. So, I mean, he was loading up everything he could. One of those sacks was in the red zone. It was a five-yard loss, kind of pushed Mm -hmm. him out. And um, I remember another uh, play where he dropped back. He read the screen. He swatted the ball down. Yeah, T.J. Watt just his presence. pressured from the outside, and he knew to step off and smack the ball down. That was and really he's good even play. in, you know, I saw him getting double teamed and, and getting through. But him and T.J., I mean, it's been constant pressure off both edges like we've always dreamed of. You know, it continues. Last year we were getting it too. But if both of them can get sacks, yeah, how great. wonderful would that be? <laughs> Um, obviously our, our number one pick, Devin Bush, Yeah, uh, you know, 10 tackles in his first game, but he was, he was just all over the ball. Like yeah, wherever the ball was, was he was there in the backfield. No, I mean, it didn't matter where it was. He, I mean, he played so good, even though he was a first round pick most of the time, they still get some playing time in the preseason. He played one half and they're already like, you know what? We've seen enough of him. He's, he's good enough. <laughs> Well, and he showed his uh, um, coverage skills also. I remember uh, yep. that uh, Tampa Bay t- tight end. Yeah, I think it was six six five, six foot five. Yeah. And um, Devin covered him. Yeah, kept he showed, pace with him. He showed his speed. Uh, that's that's another reason why we you know traded up to get him. He was so fast. He's just you know like one of the most agile linebackers. But, but the one thing we did see was uh, that possibly big guys like that, that big tight end, might be difficult for him to tackle because he's a little undersized. Yeah. Uh, he uh, Just <coughs> one play in particular, it was just like a small little like drag route or slant to the tight end, and he wrapped him up, but it looked like he was trying to tug him down, but he couldn't get him down. He, he stopped him where he was, but he couldn't bring him to the ground all the way so if he goes against a potentially harder tight end like travis kelsey or something they might be able to break out of that tackle you know and keep fighting for some exactly yards. yeah but hopefully someone else will be there to help him yeah um vince williams obviously makes the team mm-hmm. 
Chicolo, who like a, <laughs> now it's like uh I feel like there's more talent behind him, but yeah. we don't. I guess we're thinner at outside linebacker. He's he's a good veteran linebacker, but we have so many new young guys that yeah. you know it's. It makes that two-year contract weird. I think a year would have been all right. Yeah. Seemed like we were just afraid the Patriots were going to take him and <laughs> turn him into a star or something. Like James Harrison. Make us look bad. More like uh, back in the day, um, Mike Vrabel. <laughs> More like Mike Vrabel. That's who he had, and then he was uh, just entering his prime in New England, took him and made him into a star. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, then some of the other linebackers, uh, Matakavich has had a great preseason, yep. fumble, yep. Co- yeah, forcing fumbles, sacks, I special mean, tackles. teams, tackles. He's all over the place. You can't yep. deny him. Dirty red. Probably make the <laughs> team again. Um Ulysses Gilbert, one of our draft picks, late round. He's been really impressive. That first week against Tampa, he had one and a half sacks. He forced a fumble, although they recovered that one. So it wasn't a turnover of possession, but, I mean, he still caused it. Uh, He had three tackles in the first game and four tackles in the second game. So he's looked just really solid. He's been everywhere, too. So uh, we can't overlook him whenever it comes down to the 53-man roster. Um. Definitely not. Let me see what else I had on him. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember he, uh, that interception was a two-point conversion, too. Yes. Yeah, he got an interception on a two-point conversion. Um, Skipper, <laughs> he's been shining, too, making a few plays. Yeah, he had a sack in both preseason games. He hit the quarterback four times in the first one and had a fumble recovery in the second game. So, so he's, he's making it difficult to figure out you know, who stays on the team. Because in our other draft pick, Sutton Smith, um, who was a you know college standout. Yeah, he. Um, I mean, he, got he injured led early. the NCAA and tackles for a loss twice. He led the NCAA in sacks once. So I mean, he came out of the draft as you know a stud linebacker, even though he played in a smaller conference in division one football he still you know showed his worth for sure so yeah he got injured early in camp hasn't played in the preseason games and uh because of that injury or why some of these other guys have been showcasing their skills and making it a little bit more difficult for him to to make the roster now but it'll be interesting to see what they do with him and hopefully he can play that maybe you know the next couple games yeah um adenie Mm-hmm. Had some uh, appendicitis, I think, is what I understand. So he's kind of on the uh, injured list yeah. because he was having a stellar camp too and everybody and was high on him. Even in the first preseason game, he got to play some and he he was being a good pass rusher then and making tackles. He had five, so he, he was impressive while he was in. And then another linebacker I liked is uh, Spillane. Yep. Uh, I don't even remember where the guy's from, but, man, he's he's stood out, too. And I know, you know, there's no room for him on the team. But, again, I hope he's a guy maybe somebody else can pick up. Well, he showed he could, I mean, do pass coverage and pass rush. He had two pass defenses in the first game and then two QB hits in the second game. So he was doing everything you want a linebacker to do. But, like you said, I still don't quite think it's enough for him to probably win a roster spot over some of these other guys, you know. He's from Western Michigan. He was in the league for a year, so obviously I don't know where he came from last year, but was with somebody else. Um, and that leaves us with wide receivers. And this still is another tough bunch. Like, between yeah. the linebackers and the wide receivers are, to me, the most talent, you know, that we have, the depth, and trying to figure out <clears throat> what we're going to do with a few of them. Wide receivers, though, of course, we have Juju. Number one. Now, let's talk about the number two guy. I, you know, when Dante Moncrief is who I thought coming in. Whenever uh, we signed him in free agency, I definitely thought he was he was easily going to be the number, the number two, two option. I was excited about him, and now James Washington has just, like, blown it up. He's lit the preseason on fire so far. He has eight catches in the two games for 162 yards and Dang. a touchdown. I mean, he's just been catching deep balls like crazy. I remember just uh, right in the opening of the Tampa Bay game, we saw him make one of those crazy catches that everybody said he could make coming out of college, and it was just, it's great to see him finally doing that. And he's been doing it with 
every quarterback every that's quarterback. been out yeah, on the field. Right. So it shows he's he's got the talent. It's not just chemistry he still has left over from Mason Rudolph. Right, because we already know the connection. Uh, they played together in college, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mason Rudolph and James Washington, and you can tell that when you they can. play together. Oh, my God. I remember that one touchdown. Uh-huh, the touchdown grab. I mean, it looked like, <coughs> I hate to say it, but Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown for those good years while we had him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely locked it up and, you know, having the uh, that that great season that everyone has hoped from him. Yeah, Dante, obviously he hasn't gotten much playing time, so it's hard for him to prove himself whenever James Washington's been doing all this, but he did have that one catch, but he fumbled it. Fumbled so, it. I mean, he was shot. immediately taken out of the game after that, didn't get many more snaps, so... But he'll be on the team. Yeah, So then, sure. you know, again, uh, Ryan Switzer and Eli Rogers. To me, it's, uh, you know, everyone acts like he, uh, Switzer's definitely on the team. Seems like him and Ben have a nice rapport. He brings the special teams element into it, but yet it looks like they've been trying everybody else, too, to see what's going on. Yeah, and, I thought... And Ryan uh, hasn't done much in the preseason. I thought for sure Switzer was going to... Uh, be our leading return man but uh, he hasn't returned any balls so far in the preseason kick returns or punts so uh you know that's up for grabs evidently too as far as i know eli rogers had like a 26 yard pass from dobbs in the kansas city game that's been like his only big catch Mm -hmm. um so i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see if we keep both of them uh, they just, you know, they're so much the same in yeah, a way. Yeah, they both kind of fill the same role. And I I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. In some ways, I'd rather keep Switzer. I feel like he's got more upside. Yeah, he's he's more dynamic. He's younger at this point, and he can return. Uh, he wasn't, I mean, the most amazing return guy, but he was solid. He didn't ever turn over the ball or anything, so... Uh, Eli Rogers doesn't really do that much, so it's, you know, Switzer has the advantage on him by being more dynamic. Yeah, and his injuries in the past is mm-hmm. what marks his record. And then uh, the sixth receiver, you know, is more likely Deontay Johnson, our draft pick. I mean, you know, he's going to lock that up, who did have a um, 24-yard touchdown from Hodges in the Kansas City yeah. game. But... Uh, some of the guys on the bubble there that are interesting, of course, is Deontay Spencer, who has have made some great plays. Yeah, Spencer had great plays. Uh, he's been the best return man we've had so far. Uh, just talking about Deontay Johnson, he was supposed to come in. He was a great return man in college. Uh, you know, he got tons of yards. He had like four touchdowns, bunch of returns. He, I'm sure we drafted him with that potential, but. Uh, so far, he was our punt return guy in the Kansas City game for a little bit, and he had three tries for only 11 yards, and that's not very good, especially whenever you compare it to Deontay Spencer, who's had three tries this preseason and has 84 yards. Mm. So, I mean, that's a 70-yard <laughs> difference right there. So that's, you know, you can't overlook that. And then the other guy is Johnny Holton, who kind of came out of nowhere and had a great game against Tampa Bay for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember he had like a 60-yard catch and run from Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Um, Oddly enough, we didn't really see any more out of him in the second preseason game. You think they Well, be... I think they just had to give some of those up. Remember, because the other receivers had been hurt. That's so true. They got Deontay Johnson didn't time. play at all in the first game, so they wanted to make sure he got a lot of snaps. So I don't know. It's tough, you know. Um, like I said, the... Uh, we're going to have to cut some of these guys and definitely going to lose a few that, you know, probably could make the roster easily on another team, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. Honestly. I'd rather it be full of talent than us having to decide between players who aren't doing anything. But uh, uh, other things about the priest. Oh, we didn't talk about the specialist. The punt battle. Um, Barry and Berryman kind of, I don't know, neither have really stood out, but I do remember Berryman booming that one punt. Like, you know, it was like from yeah. our own 22, and he, like, knocked it Out of the through end the end zone. Yeah. I do remember that. That was Berryman. That was a long punt. Uh, 
but Barry also had a few good uh, punts, pinning him inside the 20, you know, so I really don't know who's going to win that battle. We're probably going to have to wait until the end of the preseason for them to finally make a decision. I know, and I've even heard talk that <laughs> neither of them might, and that we'll <laughs> go after somebody else. So, okay, and then kick the kicking battle. Chris Boswell yeah, versus, and uh, Wright, the sky right. Um, in games, Boswell has a 33-yarder and a 47-yarder, yep. but Wright has a 42 and, and a 46-yarder. So, <laughs> uh, Boswell has had one more PAT attempt than Wright, but they both made all theirs. Boswell made, he's 3-for-3 three three and Wright's 2-for-2, two two, so, I mean, they've just been going back and forth, and, I mean, they've been nailing some like you said 40 yarders and that's not like 100 percent guaranteed from that distance no, I so. mean, making a 47 and a 46 that's great uh but you know it's interesting because it's like we have all that money tied up in boswell yeah like, but if we just like cut him you could <laughs> sign this new kid for way less and he's basically doing just as well but i don't know i'm sure they're gonna stick with boswell yeah i mean he's more proven i mean you can't forget he already has a pretty i know Long history. And hopefully, I mean, you know, last year was a fluke. Yeah. That's all it was. Maybe this competition will kind of revive that spirit and confidence in him if we sign him over, you know, the young guy. And he'll, he'll get that confidence back for, you know, winning the competition during the preseason. But um, some other thoughts. Way too many penalties. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I know that's going to happen again in preseason games. But just, you know, the undisciplined stuff. I mean, just... Like you said, it's preseason. A lot of the guys are just still adjusting. I mean, even antsy about, you know, because a lot of guys, like we're saying, are competing for roster spots. So, you know, they're they're trying to do everything they can out there. It's, it's inevitable for it to happen. But uh, another thing I noticed was, you know, a lot of awesome players coming out of the MAC, and we seem to be drafting them all. Yeah. Um, so that's about the state of the Steelers. Next up, we have the, uh, who do we play next? Um, the Titans. Titans. Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, Titans this weekend. And then and we finish up with the, the Panthers. Panthers. We always play the Panthers then in the preseason. preseason. It seems like it. So we'll see what happens. But this, this weekend will be the cuts. Yeah. So in that last game, it'll actually be. The final roster. Yeah, the final roster. So, all right. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. It will. So now we want to talk uh, our Steeler culture segment for this episode, for episode two. It's going to be about Steeler training camp because, man, oh, man, did we have a great time this summer. And father and son have made it a tradition to go to training camp now for, this is our third year in a row? Uh, third year in a row, but and our, we've done our it before. fourth time going, yes. But for him. and But now three years in a row, and we've made it on opening weekend. Yep, for the for all three yeah. years that we've gone in a row. But this year was the absolute best. Yeah. Because we got the VIP experience. Um, we were lucky enough that the Saturday we were in Pittsburgh uh, visiting my my mom and my, my stepdad and my dad and my stepmom and all the family. Um, we got to uh, go and uh, be partic- participants in the charity walk mm-hmm. for the Chuck Knoll Foundation, which yeah. uh, raises money for brain research. Yeah, a really. And the brain injuries. Amazing charity right now, especially. It is. So we're going to talk about, you know, our experience there in just a minute, but. You know, let's, again, just like we did last time with the Terrible Towel, let's start with some history and give you some background on Steelers training camp. Because <laughs> once again, you know, it's so unique. It's so unique it's to Pittsburgh. The tradition. All about tradition in Pittsburgh, right? So our training camp is actually located in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, a place near and dear to my heart for many reasons. The home of Rolling Rock, my favorite beer back in the day when it was actually made there. And uh, now uh, Duquesne beer is made in Latrobe. And just whatever beer is made there, the water in Latrobe, that mountain spring water, something's going on there. <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. But Latrobe is beautiful, right? Yeah, it's it's a really beautiful place. Uh, talking about that charity walk, we really got to see a lot of the campus of St. Vincent's where yes. 
it's held. And so that's what, yeah, St. Vincent's it was College. A really awesome campus. Is where uh, training camp is held, and it's been held there since 1966. So this was the 53rd year. And the only team, the only NFL team that's had a, a training camp longer at the same location is, of course, the Green Bay Packers. The only other organization really built on tradition. Like exactly. The, uh, Steelers, Steelers, Packers always seem to have the traditions. Their camp uh, started in 1958 at St. Norbert College in Wisconsin. So it's been there for 61 years. Um, the only other team that even came close was the Minnesota Vikings who had their camp at Minnesota State University for the same amount of time as, as the Steelers were at St. Vincent's from 1966, but they just ended it in 2018 oh, wow. and moved to their new facility. So it's just Pittsburgh and Green Bay with the longest-running training camps in the same location. But if you've never been to St. Vincent's College, it's a beautiful campus. Um, St. Vincent's itself was founded in 1846 pretty old college that's right before the mexican-american war and the potato famine in ireland kind of give it some context <laughs> by uh benedictine monks and uh today it sits on a 200 acre campus and serves over 1800 students um but art rooney jr graduated from saint vincent's college in 1957 and you know he believed it would be a great spot for the team to, to train at so that's where the connection actually came from, is Art Rooney Jr. being a graduate, being a St. Vincent Bearcat. Because that's their motto, or that's their mascot. Um, so if you go to training camp, you'll, of course, see the Steelers practicing on a new field. It's been built, you know, in recent years. Um, it's actually called Chuck Knoll Field. It was named that, renamed that in 2007. And it is the St. Vincent Bearcats Stadium. They do have a football team that plays there. Um, but interesting enough, and uh, you know, uh, again, if you've never been to St. Vincent's and you're a Steelers fan, I mean, ma make the pilgrimage. You know, it's like the yeah. uh, the trip to the Holy Land. <laughs> I mean, you've got to do it at least once in your life, and the experience is so fantastic. I mean, I, I can't compare it to any other teams because I haven't gone to anyone's. <laughs> But I know just from hearing and seeing that nobody does it like like Pittsburgh. Does. It just makes you feel like so much more part of the team. Every every year that we've gone, you know, you feel like you just know the players more. You you see them more comfortably. You see them interact with the fans. It gets you more connected to them. Yeah. So you can sit and watch the practices, and then of course the best part is uh, lining up along the stairs to get autographs. And we'll talk about our experience doing that. But prior to Latrobe. The Steelers actually held their training camp at 11 different locations before finally settling there since 1933 when they started out. Um, their first practices were at somewhere named Moore Field in Pittsburgh. Don't even know what that is or if it exists anymore. Then they went to St. Francis University in Loretto, Pennsylvania for a while. In 1940, they moved training camp to Hershey, Pennsylvania, where the amusement park has thrilled my children for many, many years. I love Hershey Park. Lots of great times there. And they stayed in Hershey till 1946, but they did take a break in 1943 because of World War II. And, of course, that's the year the famous Steagles was created, a combination of the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia teams. So they actually trained in Philadelphia that year in 1943. So after 1946, they actually left Pennsylvania and went to Waukesha, Wisconsin. But that only lasted a year. Then they came back to Alliance College in Pennsylvania. Then again in 1952, they went out of Pennsylvania to St. Bonaventure College in New York. They stayed there six years. And in 1958, they landed at California University of Pennsylvania, which isn't that far from where I grew up. Had a couple friends go to college there, too. Huh. Um, this is known as a party school. <laughs> 1961 saw them uh, spending a year at Slippery Rock University, which I had no idea. So they spent a year at training camp at The Rock. Then they went to West Liberty College in West Virginia. And finally, the last stop was the University of Rhode Island. Hmm. And then in 1965, they actually started practicing at St. Vincent's. And in 1966, opened training camp there. 
So that's kind of the history of, of it. But now, you know, let's talk about our experiences there. I mean, it, it yeah. you know, you can talk about yours and then I'll go into mine. Uh, well, I mean, just from the years I've been there, I've always just loved, uh, just watching them doing practice and everything this year, especially, uh, with the VIP for doing the Chuck Knoll charity, uh, we got to be on sideline, which was awesome. You know, you really get to see just, you know, up close. We got to see Juju and James Conner. I mean, like, sometimes like 10 feet in front of us, you know. It was awesome just playing being rock, that close. Playing rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. <laughs> got videos of them playing rock, paper, scissors with each other. Uh, but just uh, I've always loved the autograph walk up the stairs. And not all the players do it. Most of the, you know, huge name players will avoid it just because, you know, it, it would get tiresome every single day, you know, going up and signing hundreds of fans stuff. But the people who do do it, I mean, it's appreciated more than anything by the fans. Uh, whenever we went this past year, the biggest thing was TJ Watt. Uh, TJ Watt. Was coming up and we got him to sign our football and there's a whole story behind <laughs> Him signing our football. It didn't look like he was, but, you know. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, every year I kind of have my sights set on, let's you know, one certain player. And for this year it was T.J. Watt for myself. And then just for Son to get the ball signed, you mm -hmm. know. He's got a ball that every year he's taken and just keeps filling up with more and more players. Yep. Ryan Shazier's on there. And, uh, Bud Dupree's on it. Jalen Samuels. Jalen Samuels. Now TJ. Going back, he's got Yancey Thigpen and Deshae Townsend and mm -hmm. Frenchie Fuqua from the old school. But um, so, yeah, so TJ Watt, he was, you know, took his time. He was hurt at the time, so he wasn't even playing. Yeah, he, so he, he didn't have practice, and I think that was a big reason why he was signing so many people's uh, autographs that day. Yeah, so he's coming up the hill and. You know, he was on our side, and then he crossed over, and he was kind of like right across from us. So when he turned to go, he was probably going to go up the hill and move past us. So I, I grabbed Son, and I said, hey, I want you to be serious for a minute and just close your eyes and focus, and we're going to ask the universe for TJ to come sign the football. <laughs> and I swear to you, right, right after we yeah. did that, it was he, like he, he had finished signing with someone. He turned around and started up the hill, and it was almost like something called his name, and he turned around and looked right at us. And he made direct <laughs> eye contact with me and just grabbed my football yes. and signed it. It was and came back a and, really weird experience, honestly. It so was then crazy. I was all excited trying to take a picture of, of Sun with TJ <laughs> and uh, got that taken. And then I, I was like, take one of me, take one of me. And so the coolest thing was, like, even after that, he came back and yeah, kind of he, stood for my he picture. He walked up signed three more people's stuff and then walked back down and took a picture so it was, he doesn't smile very crazy. often but he was smiling in our pictures so um that was a great great time and uh what else do you any other memories you have from there um, all the different times you've gone well <laughs> i know it probably isn't a big deal now but i remember one of the first years we went getting uh dre archer's autograph we we uh went to <laughs> camp looking at him and you know we just wanted to get him we thought he was going to be Almost like what Switzer is now, kind yep. of like, you know, a guy who's doing run plays, returns. Slash. Yeah. Yeah, so, we were excited about him, thought he was going to be somebody. We got pictures of him, autograph, his autographs on the ball, and obviously uh, my favorite Steeler ever, Ryan Shazier. Yeah, that's huge. In his second year, his sophomore season, he was walking up there and signed my football. So that was Now you have, what, three autographs? Uh, yes. You yeah, have a jersey. Have a jersey for Christmas. I got a signed a picture of Shazier and then last Christmas I got an autographed jersey, game worn jersey from Ryan Shazier. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Um and I got to meet him his his rookie year. Yep. So um yeah, so this year's training camp was especially great, but you know, my earliest memories go back to the seventies of course. And it was so different back then. Um even the college looked different, much smaller scale. Everything was kinda wide open. There was nowhere to sit like it was just the open hillside so you just kind of bring blankets stuff like that uh i don't even remember that much like being like a, a line or a fence between you and the players but i have pictures of myself with mean joe green um i have a memory of our, our kicker at the time matt Barr. 
picking me up on his shoulders and like walking down the hill with me like it was a huge memory but i remember meeting uh you know like i said mean joe green uh jack ham jack lambert great times uh then fast forward to my college years and this is the greatest 1995 1995 season that summer uh, I went home from college and was looking for a job, answered a classified ad in the no local newspaper, the Greensburg newspaper, for a uh, security guard. Go to the interview. They tell me I'm hired. They're like, you know what this is for, right? And I'm like, no. And they're like, it's Steeler training camp. I was like, what? I was like, you wouldn't even have to pay me. Like, And it li literally was the only job I ever went to early. It would stay late, like every day. And uh, greatest you know just oh lord what a great job for an insane fan like me yeah and uh i was lifting weights at the time it looked pretty good in the uniform a lot of the other guys didn't just saying <laughs> so they ended up like hey you know because the first couple of days i was down on the field well actually the first day i was in the parking lot which sucked like no even view of the field or any access to anything second day they put me like down on the field and just walking around and uh i worked down there for about a week and the funny story from there is Neil O'Donnell, our quarterback at the time, would never want to walk up the hill, like what we're talking about, how some players mm -hmm. won't walk up and sign autographs. He'd always take the golf cart. And uh, he always he told me one day, like, hey, when you see me, you make sure you run over there and open that gate so my golf cart can get through. And he's like, can I count on you? And I'm like, yeah, you can count on me. <laughs> Not that difficult. Huh? So, of course, you know, like it was like maybe the fourth day. I wasn't paying attention. I'm like out there daydreaming or something. And I hear somebody yelling, hey, hey, and turn around and look. And Neil O'Donnell's over there like by the gate doing it himself. He's like, you working today? You working today? <laughs> so Neil O'Donnell, good guy though. Um, so, I mean, I have so many stories. I can probably do a whole another episode on just me working there that summer, but honestly just great access and I, oh i didn't finish the story so that after about that week then they put me on the locker room door <laughs> so i literally was like the guard on the locker room access so all the players would come and hang out in that hallway and that's how i got to talk to almost all of them um actually got to even know a few and, and have a few drinks with a couple on their nights when they had time um andre hastings mark bruner the tight end was a rookie mm -hmm. back then and we had a connection with the quarterback one of the quarterbacks we had, Jim Miller, that one of the guys I went to high school with was his backup at Michigan State. Hmm. So anyway, I had all kind of connections with the Steelers that year, and it was fun, good times. And of course, that's the year we went to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 30, and lost to the Dallas Cryboys. <laughs> but um, but yeah, our training camp this year, if, if you ever get a chance to do that charity walk and you're a Steeler fan, sign up for it. Do the VIP experience. It was incredible. We were treated so well. We got to, uh, you know, either meet or see Merrill Hodge, Art Rooney the second was there, um, Donnie Shell, Mel Blunt, um, Tunch Ilkin, and Craig Wolfley. Um, uh, we had a per, uh, autograph session with Terrell Edmonds, our safety. Yeah, that was really awesome. They served us a fantastic lunch. Like, yeah, I mean, like, really good food. Yeah. And, and it was available, like, the whole yeah, rest of the afternoon. All you can eat, basically. Um, and then the capper was the VIP passes on the field. And so we were on the sideline for the practice. So what a fantastic memory for us. Great day. And then we finished up by having a sandwich at Permani Brothers in Greensburg on the way back down to my dad's. And uh, just a wonderful memory. Like, training camp, it, that now with you with my yeah. son it means it's like a whole nother dimension to it it's just <laughs> the greatest thing in the world but okay so that's our finishing up our culture segment that went a little long i think probably but it's exciting stuff if you've never been to training camp so and, and like what you said earlier it really makes you feel like you're part of the team yeah like you feel like you were there in the beginning of that season mm -hmm. and you're invested somehow in them you know you, a different you, way you saw them working you know you you feel more connected no you know only a certain amount of people really got to see that because NFL Network only covered them so much. I mean, they interviewed a few players, but that's about the only exposure you'll even get to training camp. Most yeah. people forget it even exists, you know? Yeah. So it's really cool being there. 
And like and I just, said, man. just being so close to all of them too, and just seeing uh, even just like second day of practice, what players were getting, you know, the starting team snaps and second team, third team, who's getting, you know, the most playing time, stuff like that. It's just cool to see at the beginning of the season. And the other amazing thing, like after seeing all the legends that got, you know, we got to listen yeah. to that day, it's just, again, just how the Steeler, it's a family. Like once you're a member, like you're always part of that family and always welcome back and always, you know, important. And, um, Oh, and then we also even got a discount at the pro shop because yeah. of that. And we both got jerseys. Mm-hmm. My um, favorite uh, current Steeler right now. I mean, I still have hope for Shazier, but I don't want him to push too hard if he can't do it. But uh, I've been a fan of Juju since, I mean, the day he was drafted. I called that he was going to be good. and I mean, boy, has he developed into quite the stud. Yes. Yep, he sure did. And then uh, I got the TJ Watt uh, throwback jersey the 70s that they're going to be wearing this year in a couple games so of course he's the player that looks good in that too mm-hmm. he's so, definitely an old school player so all right um that's finishing up our second episode of like father like son and we'll do our closing and i always like to say that i love you son i love you dad i love the steelers son i love the steelers dad that's why we are like father, like son.